little black girl in the mouth. Little black girl don't know where to go. She like the clown, and the teachers stay kicking her out. Insecure, but she won't say it out loud. All she wanna do is make her mama proud. She wanna be like them other girls, they in another world. She just can't figure them out. Round face, big eyes, full waist, bright eyes. She wonders if the judge will fall inside. She doesn't compromise. She's seen this world before. This child is wise, never busy, but her mind is occupied. She used to dream of high rises. Life is full of surprises. Talent comes in second place, the perfect timing. You should swear that I was ready, but back then I wasn't rhyming. Funny, other came from staying in my dorm and eating rhyming. College had me stressing. College had me stressing. So Father, grant me blessings. Pass, I'm on this lonely so Right now, just help me feel your presence. Give me royal bars with the humility of mortal peasants. Pray that every elder stand for lessons. Call me Lauren as I stand on this hill. I begin to survey the field. I wonder just how far I'll get without a deal. Cause anything I say is real in any line. I spit it facts in any dream I have is valid. So I'm never going back. Listen to the voice that is where the choice resides. You write the future, you know where it lies. I proceed judgment as anger's disguise. Taking the risk will always yield a prize. People will tell us to follow our heart and then look at us crazy when we live our lives. My mom, this is for dad. All the support is that I ever had. For the principal of my high school who said I would be nothing. But look where I'm at. Won't stop till I ain't got to look at the text. When we go out to eat and I pick up the text. Took a leap on my dream. Now it's all I can see. I'm enjoying the scene and I'm not looking back. Welcome to The Occasion. I'm your host, Jennifer Perrine, and this is Episode 5. The Occasion is a themed poetry show featuring interviews with poets who offer a selection of their greatest hits, read poems written specifically for the occasion of the show, and recommend some of their favorite poems by other authors. So a little of something old, something new, something borrowed, and something true. Before we get started, I want to thank everyone in our community who's pulling together, creating new programming, and keeping KBU not just on the air, but also fresh and relevant. The station is closed right now, which means we're all recording from home, and it means we've also had to cancel our usual spring membership drive. If you're in a position to give, we hope you'll donate online at kboo.fm to keep this volunteer-powered, listener-supported community resource alive and well. And now, on to the show. It's June 2020, and the theme for this month is Pride. Our guest tonight is Nastasia Minto. Nastasia is the author of Naked, The Rhythm and Groove of It, The Depth and Length to It. An African-American woman born in South Georgia and raised there by her grandparents, she grew up in poverty and around drugs, alcohol, and family violence. Her life experiences led her to obtain an associate's degree in occupational therapy, and a bachelor's degree in psychology. Nastasia has been writing since she was nine years old and has found that her writing offers her a way to help others. Her work has appeared in Gobshite Quarterly, Portland Metrozine, Susan the Journal, and the Unchaste Anthology. She's a popular featured reader at Portland reading series, including Grief Rights and Insight. Welcome, Nastasia. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. 
So this month's theme is pride, and I'm hoping you can start us off with a poem or two of yours so we can hear how that theme has shown up in your poetry in the past. All right, I definitely will. So this piece is from my book, Naked, and it's titled Evolution to Peace. And um, the poem itself tells how I came from being a very, a very devout Christian to actually coming out. And I will go more into detail after I read the poem that is titled Evolution to Peace. We don't talk about those things. Forget about those things. Neglect the effect it has on our brains. We're supposed to be strong. Carry the loads on our backs, our heads, our legs, are weighted down by the chains that stereotype us into something, into someone who we are not. I've watched those so-called demons take my friend's life. She fought. You fall. We'll fight together. A stronger bond can withstand harsh weather. I want to say it'll get better, but your next question would be when. When will it get better? The cognitive dissonance is enough to make me quit. I'm sick. Sick of all the people that just say pray. I can't seem to fucking pray the gay away. I don't sway. Either choose. Don't sway. Either choose. Regardless of my choice, I'll still lose. Because all I wanted to do was serve God and be true. But that's not possible. Not my place. Disowned by many, then seen as a disgrace. I can't erase the time when I was nine and I thought about the first woman. I can't erase when I was 15, always crying, always being tired. I tried. I tried to fight the world, fight their urges to stare at the girls. Tried. I tried really hard to pray the gay away. Even fasted for three days and three nights to keep my mind right. I can't erase when I was 19 and it seemed like she liked me. I can't fight the urges to be closer to her. But you see, she didn't have the same thoughts as me. So in shame, I hung my head low and lost a friend that couldn't be because of me. I couldn't hang around her. That would make me fall into to, into temptation. Impatient, I know. I'll be delivered from my perverted ways. But I can't erase when I was 20 and saw her face. My heart raised in a fast pace in a direction that I was sure wasn't right for me. Please, devil, let me be free. Oh, God, please save me. The constant battle within myself. How can I dare love anyone, treat anyone else with care, trust anyone else when I can't trust myself? It wasn't until I was 23 when the thought of not being alive outweighed the thoughts of life. This can't be right. I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to fight. I'm supposed to be strong. Wrong. The fight was constant, but I survived. And I survived to see 25 when my eyes, my eyes were open and I had spoken. God, I can't do this anymore. I can't believe that Jesus is true. And if this isn't true, then God, I'm willing to die right now to be close to you because I can't do this anymore. To fight within myself and not live true. And God, give me freedom and peace because I know there's something larger than me. But if I continue to live this way, I won't evolve to see, to be what I am created to be. And at the age of 25, in a small room, my eyes filled with tears, heavy heart, and freedom and peace fell over me. The evolution. So um, that piece just talks about how I went from being a very devout Christian where I used to do um, ministry. I was a youth minister. Um, I did fellowship of Christian athlete camps. I did the whole shebang. If you can think of it, I probably did it. Um, And through that entire time, I was still attracted to women, but I knew it wasn't right. Well, 
as was told to me, it's not right. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't live in like that lifestyle. And I had heard that so much. And so I hid it and I hid it for a very long time, but I was still, as people ask me now, I was still the same person. Like I still wore like button up shirts and I guess men clothes. I still like presented the way I present now, except I was very much on the defense of like, no, but I'm not gay. I'm just a tomboy. I'm just a tomboy, just a tomboy. And when I got older and I met the the first woman at school, so I talk about being at school and she didn't like me, but she she treated me, I guess to say, like she treated me like she liked me. She would do things like as if we were girlfriends, but then I'd be like, no, I'm not gay. I'm not gay. And so I was so confused. And she was also proclaimed, proclaimed Christian too. And I was just really confused about that. So when I talk about being 25 and actually being alive is because at 21 I came out and I told all of my friends and I told the people that I did ministry with and so many people walked out of my life and I remember standing in my apartment at the time I was on the second floor and I opened the window and I just looked down and I said you know if I jump right now I wouldn't even die I'll just break a lot of bones like it would hurt but I wouldn't die and I just said you know like God I can't believe this still can't believe in this, but I know there's something bigger than me, and I know I'm supposed to be here, and I know that this is not wrong, and this is who I am, and I just really like remember hearing something in me saying, my love never fails, okay. and I had this one friend who I had texted. She never texted me back, like, while I was going through all this, and then she finally texted me, and she just said, I just want to let you know I'm here for you, and I love you regardless. And here we are 10 years later, and she and I are still really good friends. But that's this piece and what I've seen most people go through has been very similar. And the evolution of it of just going from one place and really learning how to love myself. Because I not only took it out on myself, but I took it out on the people who I was in a relationship with. It was always like, I have to pray. Like, this isn't right. I shouldn't be doing this. Or we got to keep it a secret. And so at 25, just finally coming out and being like, all right, I've, I already came out one time when I was 21. Now I'm doing it again, and this is for real this time. Like, I'm not going back in the closet for anyone. I'm not hating myself for anyone because there are people out here who are killing themselves because someone has told them that either God hates them or they should hate themselves or they're disgusting. And so this piece was just like, no, this is me, and I'm going to love me. I think about that in relationship to, to kind of your whole book around that concept of nakedness. And when you talk about that tension between your maybe former religious identity and your identity as a, like a whole human being, mm-hmm. it makes me think about just some of the shame in stories around sexuality, like um, even the story of Adam and Eve, they discover their nakedness and experience shame for the first time. And like your book seems so much about, getting through the shame around a certain kind of nakedness to really embrace who you are in its entirety. And I'm I'm curious if there are things that helped you kind of think about that vulnerability or nakedness as a kind of pride instead of a, a shameful thing. Yeah. Yeah. There, um, as Brene Brown say, the power of vulnerability. 
But the interview that I just did last week, I told the guy the same thing about wanting that freedom and not really knowing what it looked like or what it felt like. And then when I started writing most of these pieces in Naked, which I wrote in 2018, that's like just like, oh, expressing this and not feeling any shame around it and not feeling like I have to cover my mouth or I have to tone down the way I dress or I have to not be so gay around certain people in my family. It was more so like, no, I'm just I'm just going to be me, all of me, whether they want to call it weird, eccentric, super gay, whatever you want to call it, call it that. But I'm going to be authentic with me. And so just in writing naked, I was like, this is so free. <laughs> This is so, so freeing. This is what freedom feels like. This is what it feels like to be naked. Like, you can't cause me to feel shame because I've already stripped myself. I'm standing here, like, bare before you. Here I am. And so, yeah, that's what a lot of naked was, was just like, man, here I am. Here I am. I had a few people from my hometown, so very religious. So I was super surprised, actually, bought the book. So they bought it and they asked me about, like, the whole sex part in the back of the sexual part. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of said, like, it feels like soft porn. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> that feels like, what? I don't even understand. Okay. But it's just interesting to see, like, people's perspective when they're reading about topics that are uncomfortable. And I knew that. I knew that a lot of it was going to make people uncomfortable because it made me uncomfortable writing it. But in my discomfort, that's where I I found the most growth. And that was so important to me, was growing and learning. If you were to encounter folks or if there are folks listening to this show who are kind of thinking about wanting to step into their own freedom and are maybe in that moment of discomfort, do you have advice that you would share with them about how to move towards that freedom or towards pride and away from shame? That's a good question. I know this may sound like super simple, but taking steps towards loving oneself. Like that was, that was a big thing for me. And as I was talking about it last week, I told the interviewer that, it was something as like me looking in a mirror and saying, I love my nose. I love mm-hmm. my mouth. And I love my eyes. Features that I was bullied for. Features that I was like, I hate them so much. I love my skin. Being black, a feature that's so all over me that I had to take time and say, I love this thing. And when I like just started to love that, like, that's like, okay. And I love me. And I'm quirky. And I'm nerdy and I'm like weird stuff. I'm like, I like that. I like that about me. So if people, you want to call out something about me, go ahead and call it out. If you got to do something like that to make yourself feel better, then that's like that person needs to address the shame and stuff inside of them too. Getting rid of that shame and walking in our owning ourselves is that walking in that love for ourselves. Sometimes it's hard for us to say that. Like, we love us. We love ourselves. I love this, like, dimple I have on my chin. It's one thing that just won't go away, you know. Like, (laughs) it sounds really simple, but 
that that's what it was for me and it it took a while and it wasn't an overnight thing but it was just like me telling myself how much I love myself how much I am proud of myself because that's something I fought with was like well I'm not successful or uh, my work is never going to be out because I'm gay that's what I taught Mm -hmm. well it's a sin and you're sinning against God and so God is not going to bless you and for years I thought I would never speak again I would never speak to kids is what I love too. I was like, man, I'll never get to do that thing I love because of because of my sinning. And so when I started walking in myself and more so on the spirituality side and walking with Mother Earth, that's how I feel. It's just like the universe is like, wait, let me show you who I am. Let me let me show you how powerful you can be when you stand in yourself, when you're confident in yourself. And when that shame can no longer overtake you, let me show you how how powerful this can be. Mm. And so that's what I would tell people. Just if every day, just taking time and saying something about yourself that you love and that you appreciate. And also Lisa Nichols. I don't know if you've ever heard of her, but she's a transformational, motivational speaker. And I followed this thing what she said about writing out. 16 lies that you tell yourself in pill. And then up under under that, write out 16 truths in a red pen. And every day, go through that thing and erase the lie, and erase the lie, and erase the lie. And when you get to the end, go back to the beginning and speak those 16 truths about yourself. Because sometimes we believe so many lies we tell ourselves. And so even that of pressing through the shame and the hurt and the anger, the lies, like sometimes we tell about ourselves, but sometimes things we've heard from people. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would say. Step yeah. towards loving ourselves. I love that. And as you were describing, especially that very last part where it's kind of erasing those those lies about ourselves that maybe have been given to us or maybe we've created for ourselves, it reminded me of your poem, a hero with many names where, mm-hmm. you know, you you write about these different names that other people have given you that some of which are wonderful, beautiful names, like persistent and gracious and sharp, and also names that are hard and cruel, like trouble or mm-hmm. bad and rude. And I'm wondering if, like in thinking about a, a poem like that or, or writing about or embracing those, I guess I think that poem feels to me like it's, it's naming those, some of those other names as like lies, but also saying that was sort of still part of my experience too, and it matters. I'm curious mm-hmm. if that's that's how you think about it, or if you think about, yeah, maybe just how you think about that poem. Yeah, I exactly how you just said it. Like the names that people gave to me in the beginning. <clears throat> And how I held on to that. And how I thought like, oh, well, you know, if people are calling me bad and I'm rude and I'm disrespectful. And I mean, this lasted, oh my gosh, way until I was like in 10th grade or so. Like, oh, oh you're just so disrespectful. You're just so rude. Or like, you're just such a troublemaker. And so I held on to that. And that's why, like, I'm so cautious about how I speak to people or what type of wording I speak into people because people hold on to it. And Mm -hmm. so 
um, those words were with me. And then, so it was 10th grade when I went to this, like, Fellowship of Christian Athlete camp. And that was the first time I'd ever heard someone else besides my grandmother, because my grandparents were, like, my biggest fan. Mm -hmm. Um, But someone else outside of them say, like, no, you, you are enough. You have some great potential. Like, you are beautiful. And it's like I couldn't believe it because I had heard the other words so many times that those words were just kind of like, oh, okay, whatever, like, whatever, whatever. But once I got to a point where I started hearing that more, like, no, you you can be more than your environment. You, let me show you. Let me, let me show you. Let me give you different opportunities. Let us show you, like, your greatness. And then I started um, – when I was writing, I started writing in this poetry book when I was in seventh grade. And that mentor is, you know, still in my life. I just talked to her um, on Saturday. And she was telling me, like, just how she saw the potential. She said, I walked in the classroom, and she was like, oh, man, this girl has, like, the world on her shoulders. But there's so much in her. Like, there's so much I can see from And she said there was something she could see about me that she can see in the other students. And she just never gave up, and so she kept. She was very persistent, mm-hmm. and so throughout the years, the naming started started changing, and it wasn't that I believed it about myself. It was just other people would say like, "Oh, you're just really great, and you're really this, and you're that." I'm like, "Oh, okay, 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 thank you." You know how we are sometimes. It's just kind of like we don't really believe it ourselves, but <laughs> other people are saying it, so we're like, "Okay," and I can be honest to say, like, 25 was a very defining moment of where it's like. I don't necessarily believe that I'm beautiful or that I have all of this great talent or whatever people are saying, but if they see it, then why can't I see it in myself? I know I keep bringing it up, but it was a very defining age in my life of where I not only said that I was going to believe things about myself for me, but where I decided to be open to new things too, which changed like the whole way I thought about things, the way I saw the world, pretty much. And so you're asking about the hero with many names, and what happened was is that I started to believe those names for myself. So I started to believe, like, oh, yeah, you, I guess you can write. I guess you are beautiful. And it was guess. I, I want to be so transparent and honest with people. It wasn't like I just came out and was like, oh, I'm fine. I'm gorgeous. I'm this. <laughs> <laughs> like, it wasn't any of that. It was just like, oh, I guess. I guess, I guess. And then as the years went on, I was like, no, you are beautiful. You are gorgeous. Because sometimes those things are so hard to like just say to ourselves. And I was like, you are amazing. And you're going to go far. And if you want to do this thing, you work hard at it. Like just really <laughs> talking to myself about like where I want to go at and what I want to do and not waiting for others to give me permission to do it. Just do it. And so that's why I like Hero with Many Names and it come at the end, for those who haven't read it, sorry, but it just says, like, I'm Nastasia, I'm here, and I'm the hero with many names. So it's like all along I had always been that thing, but now I can see it. Mm-hmm. I guess like any comic book hero villain, it's like, <laughs> oh, you're that, you're, you're that thing? Gosh, and now you're just not realizing how amazing you are. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's me. But, yeah, and so I would just, like, encourage people on that, too, of that thing that 
they're chasing, they're following, and they may not be able to see it. And I, I can be honest, even with my writing, when I wrote Naked, I was just like, I want that freedom. I just want to get this stuff out. I was going to publish it myself or make a zine out of it. Like, I wasn't expecting it to be as big as it is now. I can be honest about that. I didn't think that the writing was all that great. I was like, this is just me. This is just what I do. It's not like I'm saying I'm a writer. I just like to write stuff. I've been doing it since I was nine years old. Like, I absolutely love it. And I'm going to call myself a writer. Oh, that sounds weird. (laughs) (laughs) So, and that's what it was in 2018. I was like, this is weird. I don't think I'm a writer. I'm just, I just like write, wrote some stuff. That's it. Just wrote some poems. That's it. (laughs) And so just encouraging people to, to do that thing that they love and knowing that, you know, we are going to mess up. We're going to make some mistakes. But that thing is calling whether it is writing or art or music or hair or cooking, whatever it is, just going after it. I'm like, I'm going to do it. Like, this is this is who I am pretty much. Good advice. For those of you just joining us, you're listening to The Occasion on KBOO Portland. I'm Jennifer Perrine, and we're talking with Nastasia Minto. I asked Nastasia to write a poem specifically for the occasion of the show. You all are about to hear this new poem. So my new poem is titled, I Am We. And for you lovely, like, English majors people, I know that's not correct, so please forgive me. <laughs> but I think it will it will just make sense when I, when I read it. So I have two, but these are the new two that I'll read this one first, and I'll say okay. the next one next. I Am We. First... Let's start with the obvious. I am tall, I'm female, I'm queer, and I'm black. And I wish I could say that all my life I had been proud to say all those things, but I have not. And knots grew in my stomach as this body began to expand from a size 8 to a size 15 in pants. And I can't dance around the fact that I'm the biggest, that I was the biggest fifth grader in school. You know, it was cool when I was the first pick for all the teams, but neglected to be seen for prom and dance things. And my body, my body screamed as stretch marks stretched from east to west, from my thighs to my breasts. I don't have enough arms to caress those scars. So I guess I'll move on to being black. No, wait, I'll, I'll come back to that one. Being female. That may be a little bit more easier. I can breathe female in, but shit, they say it's a sin to breathe another female in, so I guess... We'll skip queer, too, and maybe skip all the attributes that have been given to me. And for some reason, humans feel the need to rip and tear each other apart, but yet we come from the same source, the same star. But there's no remorse for the legs we've broken and expect them to walk normally. No concerns for the mouth we've taped but expect them to speak profoundly. No compassion for the eyes we've blackened but we expect them to see clearly. I am me. No, I am we, all 5'10", 240 pounds, standing firm on the ground. Yes, we are all created from the same stardust. Must I tell you how I am we? If you strip me of the largest organ on my body, the same red blood, we will bleed. Must I tell you how I am we? 
For every human that has been molested, beaten, hungry, and abused in any way, I feel the scars deeply. 206 bones we stand strong in these bodies. No matter how many pieces of us are picked apart and scattered on infertile grounds, we are laying, waiting to be seen. I feel the screams across my skin as tears water them. Must I tell you how I am we? It may be easy for some people to look. It may be easy for some to look a person in the eye and stay blinded by what they choose not to see. But me, I choose to go beyond the veil and realize that I am more. I am we. That is the first one. And the second one is say yes. And this, you know, I think is my my anthem and my mantra, which you'll probably hear me say a lot tonight throughout the interview of just saying yes to ourselves and to who we truly are. So I hope you say yes to yourself as you walk to the stage to engage in the most memorable ceremony, the self to reveal, the self to heal, the self appears in the most beautiful way. I hope you say yes to yourself. Long flurry dress or suit with ties, white headdress, pants creased with nice shoes to go with. I hope you said yes to yourself. Yes to all your flaws. Yes to all your imperfections. Yes to who you are revealing through self-reflection. I hope you said yes to yourself. To love, to hold, to cherish, to listen, to stand firm, to be bold, to care, and to comfort. I hope you said yes to yourself, to your dreams, to your aspirations, to your destiny, to your calling. I hope you said yes to yourself. And listen to any part that says no, any part that says let go, any part that says we are healed, and any part that says to stand still and listen. I hope you said yes to yourself. And allow the words to flow freely. Allow the people to see you for who you are to be bare but yet to be whole, to be sure even through the unknown, to be pure when scars are shown, wounds are healed, and you've learned how to care for yourself, your own wounds, and not bleed on anyone else. I hope you said yes to yourself, and I hope you continue to say yes to yourself before you decide to say yes to anyone else. So those are my two newest ones. I found it so interesting the way that you start out with naming the things that that you think of or maybe other people think of as obvious about you and then some of those things are exactly the things that you say, No, we're not we're gonna save that. So I'm gonna hold off on like being black or being queer and could you talk a little bit about like that choice to, to say, Well, it's obvious that these are parts of my identity or who I am and also we're not gonna talk about that. <laughs> yeah, so with the with the I am we, I mean, this piece just, it just hits me so hard every time because I think about how we how we are so connected, but most times we only share things that shows how separate we are. People notice I'm black before they notice I'm queer. They might assume, but they notice that before they notice I'm female. They notice I'm tall before they notice, you know, I'm queer or any of that. So I was just like, wait, I'll come back to that. Breathing female in, but they say it's a sin to breathe female in. So I guess I'll skip queer too. And so it's just talking about like how this is all of us. This is who we are, but I'm going to have to skip some parts of myself because this is what people are saying 
they're saying is bad. They're saying it is wrong. But this is how we are we are the same. When you strip us of the largest organ on our bodies, when you scan us and you see our bones, we have these bones, the similar bones, but you know, like stuff like that. Like we are we are the same. We're gonna tape your mouth shut, but we still want you to say everything and speak so profoundly. And we're gonna beat you and beat you and kick you down and call you names, but we still want you to be the best person you can be. Like I am we, we are we are a body, we are a system, we are connected. I feel like that we are all a part of this big body and when the body is aching in certain parts, like we can either ignore it or we can address it. And I feel like a lot of times that's what's happening is that we have so many people that are that are aching and that are hurting, but we don't address it and that's why like I just kept hammering it in. Like I am we. I am a part of all of this. Like we are the same. And so, yeah, if you strip me of this organ, the largest organ on my body, and they stripped you of it too, they couldn't tell, you know. They couldn't tell, oh, well, she's, like, she's black and she's this or they or that. And they, no, they'd just be like, okay, these are, you're humans, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to hit home is just that we are, we are from the same star, thus. And so if you hurt me or if they hurt you, then they hurt me. Because, like, we're family in this, regardless of if we have, like, the same blood, same close blood, because we have some blood somewhere, but we are we are the same in this. And this piece, I just, it just hit home because I feel like every time we hear about the news of, you know, whether it is another black man or whether it is one of our indigenous sisters that they can't find or another Latino man or, you know, some, like, Every time something comes, it's like, man, like, this hurts. This really hurts. And we are, it doesn't matter if we're outside the culture of it. Like, we are all the same. Like, this hurts. And that's what I was really trying to hit home with this is that I am we. Like, I am so willing to, I choose to move beyond the veil and realize that we are more, that we are the same, that that we coexist in this thing, you know. Um, so that yeah, that's pretty much what I am. We is talking about, and so that's why I moved throughout. Was like, okay, no, no, because people notice that. But let's move on to what's. Let's talk about what's happening, and that's how those things came about. Can you talk a little bit about the second poem, the Say Yes, and how you were just thinking about that concept of pride in relationship to like giving this advice to people just to say yes to yourself? I wrote this poem after going to a friend's poetry set, and um, they were dressed in a full, like beautiful sheer like white dress with a headdress and stuff like that. And I asked her, like, oh, it looks like you're about to get married. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to propose to myself like I'm mm. saying yes to myself and I did exactly what you did I was like mm. <laughs> okay <laughs> okay and her piece was so beautiful and it was accompanied with music and just like cellos and violins it was so beautiful and so then I was sitting as I was in an uber going home I was like and yeah, like I hope you say yes to yourself. 
And I thought about all the friends that I've met since I've just been here in Portland and all the people that have came out. Mm. And, you know, I'm in my brain, I'm like, man, I just came out so recently, like when I was like 25. Well, I came out as 21, but 25 again. But then I'm meeting people now who are coming out when they're 28 and when they're 35 and when they're 48 and 70. And I'm like, I hope you say yes to yourself. And I'm not going to cry, but I'm like... I hope you to continue to say yes to yourself and to who you are and to who you are becoming because it's just only going to get better, better. Like, yeah, you may have some hard days and people may say what they're going to say, but as far as who you are and the things you will accomplish, it's only going to get better because you're like walking in your true self and true identity. And so that's what this one was like. Yeah, you know. Say yes to yourself and listen to any of the parts that says let go, any of the parts that says no, any of the parts that says we are healed. Because sometimes we try to, like, hold on to stuff and our body is like, I'm healed from that. Let's keep going. Let's work on something else. And so that's what this piece was inspired by. It's just like all my friends that I've met that, have just been so brave and bold. And and I will say brave, just coming out. Friends that I know, families have walked away and turned their backs or just disowned them. And like it just it just breaks my heart. And I just it continuously encourage my friends to say yes to yourself. To you. So that's a big part. I'm trying to hold back the tears. Oh, that's a big part of like what what that that piece is saying, and just and just what it means the power in saying yes to yourself, but then the power in also saying no to someone trying to shame you. So if we go back to like the whole shame and walking and your self confidence, that thing. People are like, well, you're you're just a freak, or you're just going against the laws of nature, whatever, whatever. No. I am walking authentically in who I am. I'm saying yes to me. As you were talking about that, it just made me think about how coming out is so much this process of having to say yes over and over and over. Like you can't just mm-hmm. say yes once and come out once and then it's done. <laughs> and and that does take this immense amount of, of courage and bravery to be able to, to say yes, not just once, but then for the rest of your life, right? Um, right. So I totally get why it, that is emotional because it is just you know witnessing other people have that that courage to do that is is tremendous yeah i agree so you shared these two new poems i'm curious what else you've been writing lately that's maybe not necessarily just for the show but just other other work that you've been doing since naked came out oh yeah so since naked have come out i have been writing so many essays, which is so different from these things that I've written. And um, for the longest, I've just been kind of like, what am I doing? <laughs> Honestly, what am I doing? Um, but I've just been writing these pieces about my life, and it may turn into a full memoir or maybe something very similar to the structure of Naked. But that's what I've been doing along with right now what I was just checking out 
earlier before I called you is just that I have 78 pieces of new poetry. Mm. 78. That's just the new stuff, not even outside of the longer pieces that I've written. And I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, what, what are I going to do with this? But they have, they have just opened my heart in so many different ways, you know, beyond the COVID thing. So as I just want to say, like, to all the families and people that may be suffering with COVID, like, I do send my love out to them. But I also, for me, like, it has been such a blessing in a way that I've been able to just write and just be. Because before this, I was dreaming about the things I wanted to write or trying to write while I was at work and just never feeling like I had enough time to actually sit down and do it. And I was like, oh, I have all the time in the world to sit down and do it, and that's what I'm going to do. And that's, and that's, I'm not saying at all that's what everyone else needs to do, not at all. But for me, processing and working through abandonment issues and working through trust issues, it was just like putting it on paper and addressing it. Like, oh, this is what I'm feeling. And this is where I thought it came from. But once I started writing deeper into the stories, like, oh, so this goes way back to like five and four years old. Let's go way, way back. And so that's what I've been working on um, after Naked. And I'm just kind of really excited to see where it goes. Really, really excited. I'm I'm really excited for you that I know it's under terrible circumstances, but I am excited for you that you have that time to just explore that and see where it's going to take you. Right. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. For those of you just joining us, you're listening to The Occasion on KBOO Portland. I'm Jennifer Prine, and we're talking with Nastasia Minto. Nastasia, you brought some poems by other poets. Do you like yeah. to read one or two? Yeah, I um, I have one of my one of my favorites. Who, gosh, I'm so thankful for Nikki Giovanni. And for you guys that don't know, she read Naked and she blurbed it. I was so so surprised, and I'll just. If I could just talk a little bit about that in my surprise. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I told my publishers and stuff that I had a list of people who I wanted to read the book and blurb it. And I said, you know what? I would reach out to all of these people, handwritten letters, thank you, whatever. I would just do it, and I'll, I'll go from there. <laughs> and they said, okay. Um, <laughs> And I was like, well, okay, well, I don't know how to reach out to Nikki Jo. Like, what do I do? And so my editor said, well, you got to look up her contact information. You got to see if she has, to, if you have to go through all of these people. And I was just so bummed. I, like, oh. searched for two or three weeks, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is not going to work. I don't even know what to do. I don't know how to contact this woman. And finally, I just saw, like, a random um, info at Nikki Giovanni, something like that. And I was like, this is not going to reach her. Like, there's no way. And I emailed her and I just, you know, I said, thank you for all the work she's done, all the activism she's done, and just being as bold and outspoken as she is. And that her work really inspired me to write my collection. And if she would give my work the time of day, I'd be super honored by that. And if not, I really understand just writing this email was. Which is great, and that's what I said. 
And I realized that I used my work computer to do it. And so two and a half weeks later, I kid you not, I had uh, a letter in my work mailbox from Nikki Giovanni just saying, thank you so much for um, emailing me. If you don't mind, send me, like, hard copies. So print print out your entire book and send it to me, and I'll read it and blurb it. And I was like, is this real? (laughs) (laughs) What? Somebody's playing jokes on me. Is this real? But I just, I still have it now. I'm just sitting on my, like, work desk, and I look at it to remind me to keep going. Keep, like, people want to see us succeed. Like, yeah, there may be people who are, who don't, but majority of people are, like, they want to see us succeed. And so that's my Nikki Giovanni story. And I'm going to read a poem from her called, Let's Call It Love. If you cook me, I'll be a medium well steak streaked. But fat but not cold. I will have been contended cow, obviously slaughtered before my time. When I was grazing in the fields of the country, side I had made friends with the prairie dogs and rabbits, the coyotes and the wolves. Every now and then a hungry wolf might approach. Me but hungry wolves approach everyone. One day I will be round up and sent to my destiny, a plate on a flowery tablecloth, flanked by a lovely glass of wine, and you you smiling at me with love and pride (laughs) and i don't know i just like stuff like that pieces that can make you just smile you know and like with everything going on in the world i think we need stuff that makes us genuinely smile and like more lighthearted. so but we also need other stuff too so i really i really like that one so her new book called a good cry. Thank you. Thank you for reading that. And thank you for sharing that story about her, just her generosity. I think uh, it kind of reminds me about what you were saying earlier about, you know, having a mentor earlier in your, earlier in your life who, you know, sees the good in it. I think sometimes like we write to these people who we just hugely admire and it's so amazing when they can see like a little bit of a, you know, spark or something in, in us or our work or writing and, want to like fuel that so it's really exciting that she did that right i am i'm so thankful for her and i mean you well you have the books that you know it's like her and lydia yukamis and rima zaman and kate gray and Mm -hmm. you know rebecca samal and so all these just amazing authors from portland too who most of them didn't know me you know they probably heard me once or twice but they took a chance, and I'm so glad that they did. They took that chance on me. As you're thinking about other poets or poems, are there other people that you would recommend to our listeners if they want to think about pride in relationship to poetry more? Hmm. And there's, of course, Jericho Brown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> First name that came to my mind. And then I went blank. But I was thinking about all the poets that I just read with on Friday. And it was a lot of queer poets that, gosh, it stuck out to me. And on Monday at the Folk Life, and now names are leaving my brain. But I would definitely say, like, Jericho Brown. And if you can get your hands 
on any of Nikki Giovanni's stuff. Definitely. Definitely do that. Kate Gray, author here in Portland. She's an amazing poet. Oh, I should have wrote a list down for this. Because, <laughs> okay. you know, like when there's so many names and people you're thinking about and like, you're like, I don't want to mess it up. I want to leave people out. But that's what, that's what I'm thinking about, like all the people that I'm like, oh, this would be great. But their name isn't coming to me, but their poetry is, and I can hear their voices in my head. And that's usually what happens. So I do apologize, listeners, for not having a name list, as I should. <laughs> it's okay. Outside of poetry, are there other other artists or creators, or I guess even like activists or people that you think of as, as elders who have influenced your work or you're thinking about pride, anybody that especially that you'd recommend other people check out? Well, I would definitely say like for people who, first let me say to people of color who want to just looking back into like history and knowing more about ourselves and not being driven by the the narrative we've always been driven by, Anthony Broder, and he has a book called The Broder Files, and it's just super amazing. It's encouraging, it's empowering, and it's telling us about our history before it was just, like, wiped away from us. And so his book is very um, empowering, and I think it gives a lot to, like, to be proud of. And, of course, Mitchell Jackson, I don't know, he's also one of... Portland's he's from Portland but he lives in other places and his book is called Survival Math. Brittany Cooper is another author, Eloquent Rage, Black Feminist. And I guess like all these things are coming to me now because there's just stuff that I've read recently and anything about James Baldwin. Let me not forget the people mm-hmm. who came before me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> James Baldwin, Tony Morrison, um, Zora Neale Hurston, like anything, because if it wasn't for them, there would be no me, and if it wasn't for the path that these writers and the doors that they open, I wouldn't be here talking on the phone with you today. So just giving thanks to them and everything they've done, and definitely check them out. Thank you. Those are all great recommendations. There's a couple in there that I haven't actually read, so I'm looking forward to checking them out. As you, as we head into the rest of the month of June, are there any upcoming events that we should know about that we should check out? Um, they can follow me at Nostalgia Mental on Facebook and Instagram. And I have a reading coming up on June 25th. I will be posting about it. And I think it has the Zoom link to get into the room. But as of right now, that's the only thing I have coming up so far. Will people who check that out be able to hear some of the new stuff that you've been writing recently? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm reading a new piece that I just wrote a week ago. Nastasia, it's been a pleasure mm-hmm. talking with you tonight. And thank you for being a guest on the show. And thank you to everybody else who's listening out there. And I hope you all are safe and healthy and kind and loving to yourselves and to each other.
little black girl in her mouth. Little black girl don't know where to go. She like the town. The teachers stay kicking her out. Insecure, but she won't say it out loud. All she wanna do is make her mama proud. She wanna be like them other girls they in another world. She just can't figure them out. Round face, thick thighs, full waist, bright eyes. She wonders if they'll judge her for the size. She doesn't compromise. Seen this world before. This child is wise, never busy, but her mind is occupied. She used to dream of high rises, but life is. Full of surprises, talent comes in second place, the perfect timing. Used to swear that I was ready, but back then I wasn't rhyming. Funny, hunger came from staying in my dorm and eating ramen. College had me stressing, college had me stressing. So Father, grant me blessings, pass, I'm on this lonely So Right now just help me feel your presence. Give me royal bars with the humility of mortal peasants. Pray that every elder stand for lessons. Call me Lauren as I stand on this hill. I begin to survey the field. I wonder just how far I'll get without a deal. Cause anything I say is real in any line. I spit it facts in any dream I have is valid. So I'm never going back. Listen to that voice inside. That is where the choice resides. You write the future, you know where it lies. I perceive judgment as anger's disguise. Taking a risk will always yield a prize. People will tell us to follow our heart and then look at us crazy when we live our lives. My mom, this is for dad. All the support is that I ever had. For the principal of my high school who said I would be nothing. But look where I'm at. Won't stop till I ain't got to look at the stacks. When we go out to eat and I pick up the tabs of the leaf on my dream. Now it's all I can see. I'm enjoying the scene and I'm not looking back. I don't care if it hurts 